Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 99 of Franco's World. Uh, today's guest, I've actually been a fan of his for like two years or so. So I'm really pumped to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Wolf. Jamie, what's up, guy? Hey, how's it going, man? How are you? This is great. We've been talking for like 25 minutes before this, and we have to act like it's our first time ever talking ever again. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I just pretend like I just spoke to you? Like I didn't talk. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Jamie, where can the people follow you at? Um, at Jamie Wolf Comedy on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Yeah, and on TikTok, folks. And he is popping off on TikTok. I told him before this, I said, if you posted more on the other ones, you would also blow up on the other ones. So hopefully he starts posting more, man. He's, I, I've been a fan of his stuff, like I said, since 2019. He's got some really good stuff out there, so go check him out. So Jamie and I were talking before this, and he was curious of my comedic journey. So I'll start off, and you can make comments as you please, Jamie, uh, about my comedic journey. I've always been a, a comedy fan. I've always appreciated the art, and my dad uh, was a pastor. So I got to see my dad do an hour of new material like every week for my whole childhood. You know, and uh, he was a, a really energetic guy. He wasn't like a screaming and yelling guy, but he was very animated on stage. And uh, my sister was a, a good actress and stuff like that. And so I was like, how do I get attention? Oh, I get it by being funny, you know. And um, I remember, you know, being a kid watching, you know, Patrice O'Neill and Cat Williams and, and Chappelle and all these guys and just being in awe and a state of shock and awe as I watched them, how they captivate an audience and stuff like that. And I'm like, I want to be able to do that. Oh, so uh, Dude, wait so was your dad a funny pastor yeah because he wasn't like a hellfire and brimstone type of guy he'd be like he'd be in the pulpit and he'd be like sister jean knows what i'm talking about and sister jean like the whole crowd is in stitches <laughs> sister jean knows. <laughs> that's actually hilarious yeah like that's just like it's so easy to kill as a pastor because like all you have to do is make jabs at other denominations people kill it and be like hide hide the hide the communion the catholics are here and it's like people are dying you know like it's so easy bro so my dad what? my dad's a killer wow so it's kind of it runs in the family a little bit oh yeah because you know me i'm a big time killer i get up there i, I knock him dead you know <laughs> i don't and, know I, I assume <laughs> yeah no <laughs> and then uh i didn't start writing i mean i would watch like Kevin Hart specials when I was in high school, middle school and stuff like that. And I would write down jokes I liked word for word and take out the dirty stuff yeah. and, then, and then give them to my parents as if I wrote them. And they'd be like, I don't get it. And I'm like, mom, it's Kevin Hart. He's like a murderer. <laughs> you don't get it. That's so funny, dude. For some reason, that is a common thread between a lot of comics that I've talked to. Like if they were into comedy when they were younger, mm -hmm. I, I did that too. I would like watch um like let's say jim gaffigan or louis ck or or l or kevin hart and i would i would do the bits for my parents like i would recite the bits yeah. and be like this is my material yeah as if it was mine and then also later on when i started like getting into getting into comedy like to actually do it i would just write down verbatim like bits of comedians i liked which is it's so odd but like a lot of people i talk to that's like a common threat Wow. I thought I was like, you know, I thought I, I was like a bad guy. <laughs> I, I know. I know. No, I thought I, I thought it was weird too. But then the more comics they talk to, the more that's like seems to be like a thing. Not for all of them, but like a lot of comics do that for some reason. Yeah. When I was I in know. high school, um, 
one special that really got me was Kyle Kinane's Whiskey Icarus. Yeah. And, uh, and he yes. has this joke on here about like uh, eating pancakes out of loosely out of a bag. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. And then dude. Uh, he has a, uh, well, there's one part in it where he's like, uh, I'll take to the skies today. And he's on the tarmac and he's like, is this plane going southbound? Like it kills me, bro. Kills me. It's so weird how like, comedians are different than like other people will remember they're like you know it's like fun like he was funny he's talking about like pancakes or something like they don't yeah. really remember the comics they'll remember you remember exactly what he said yeah it's so it's like there's a tape recorder going in our mind whenever comedy's happening it's like oh that's funny i need to remember i need to remember <laughs> that like i could quote like the entire john mulaney specials like all of Chappelle's first two specials oh, just yeah. because like some reason like it's imprinted into my brain yeah because when i'm like tuned in it's so interesting dude yes dude the uh me and my dad i'll never forget this was on comedy central so they kind of made it somewhat clean uh dave Chappelle's killing them softly when he starts oh. talking about when he starts talking about the baby on the street corner <laughs> that one killed that one even killed my dad that's how i know it's a good one if my dad you know it gets him my dad likes uh <laughs> gabriel iglesias Gabriel Iglesias, okay, interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan, but he's notoriously good, right? Like he, like, he sells out arenas, so he must be, you know, he must yeah. be all right. Yeah. I think, he's, I think he's pretty clean, so I think that's why he likes him. And I, I work mostly clean. Um, that's, I'm like, I live in fear of my parents. I was going to say, is that because of your, of your dad? Yeah, a thousand percent. Like, actually, like, I'm more so afraid of my mom than I am my dad. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um. I think it's just like, I think they would get over it eventually. And like, not to say like, I'd be up there F this, F that every two seconds, but like to even say like hell or damn, like in a joke, like I, I'd be worried. Like, I think, I think they'd get over that. But you know what? I think, um, I, I actually think that's a good thing long-term. Like the fact that you don't want to go dirty quickly. Cause like, right. I do dirty material and I'm like shoot like how do I ever get on television like I, it, I'm just like I don't understand like no one's gonna put a date rape joke on television <laughs> right right the um they always <laughs> like, that's say probably, that's probably weird for someone without context but I have a date rape joke and, and it's, good. it's not about it's not about doing it it's about the word and we'll get to this eventually. He has these jokes where he has these controversial blank statements and then he flips it. It's so good. It's so good. We'll get to it eventually. But uh, I think most people, when they start out comedy, it's very dirty, very vulgar stuff. And yeah. me, I'm, I'm kind of a contrarian at heart. And I think most comics are. So when everybody zigs, I zag and I hear, oh, everybody's doing this. Okay, I want to do that. And, and that's also like, so I started performing comedy when I got into college and uh, do my college open mics and I ended up doing really well I was one of the probably the I don't it's rude to say you're the best guy but I was one of the better guys on the scene and uh, I was able to host mics and then uh, they'd have opener and I'd be an opener for like they'd bring in some you know road guy and I'd open yeah. for them and then I and then I worked one summer in Pittsburgh did a few mics in Pittsburgh worked in Allentown wasn't really able to hit Philly mics as often as I wanted to but that's when I started the podcast right 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 and so my podcast weekly 30 45 minutes just me like riffing material this or that that's my those are my reps these are my practice you know and um then year two which i'm on now i wanted to interview comics and, and just gain familiar with them play ball with them 
And uh, that's, that's really what my plan is. And you interviewed pretty much every single person I know in New yeah. York. Which we, actually, we actually talked about this before the show and I went through and named most of the people. I think, I don't know about all of them. And he's like, these are all like my close friends. Yes. Yeah. All, every single one of them was like, right. Dan Carney's probably the closest of all of them, but I know literally every, like I met Joey Rinaldi in college. Like yeah. I know all of those people. It's so funny to, to think that like, I, that I think of them as just like my friends. And it's funny to think of them as people, like people reach out to, because right. I guess we're, Know that I mean it, it makes sense like we're in New York which is the mecca of comedy but like it's just funny that like Tim McHugh is someone that someone <laughs> that, <laughs> like dumbass who like is that stand up New York all the time he's good he's good yeah. at comedy funny it's like some random kid from West Virginia wants to spend an hour with Tim McHugh online <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like sexual it's like just to talk yeah yeah just to talk to him uh dan carney and i had a really good episode and it's so cool to see dan blow up um because yeah. i get to see some of those dividends so shout out to dan because people come and check out our episode all the time oh hell yeah that's yeah. so fun that's so funny yeah dan is like a good friend he's a guy who i met in new york like three years ago and as soon as I met him I was like oh he's gonna do very well just because he's ever, like people love him he's just yeah. like so the guy like you yeah. just talk just want to be around him yeah you know what I mean he's just like super easy to conversate with and just like very pleasant guy very 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 good at riffing like off yeah. stage but one of the funniest people he's he's dog shit on stage but like off stage <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just I love that guy one of my one of my one of my great friends in comedy. It's very funny that you say um, he's a very likable guy because the first comic I had on here, fellow West Virginia Mountaineer Clyde Mack, said Jamie Wolf can go into any room and he's just a likable guy. <laughs> that's really funny. Well, Clyde's never seen me perform in a black room, and uh, I thought he said you were in a black room. I thought he said that. Okay, I did his show one time, and here's the thing: like, I'll do, I'll do a. I'll do racial material in a black room because that does well. Right. And then all my other material, like uh, like the the date rape joke that we'll talk about later, that yeah. does not. Go well. Oh, really? Like the, the racial stuff goes over pretty well, but the like anything else, yeah, they're just like oh, it's like kind of turn. Oh, yeah. They're yeah, like yeah. oh, you know, you know, can't go to a black therapist. That kills. You know. That yes, that killed. Yes, a hundred percent. That does very well. Yeah, well, that, and I guarantee you, you don't do this, but Clyde was telling me, he was like, some people go in there and try to, quote, unquote, turn their black on. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, I, I even have a bit about it where, like, the first time a, a, a white guy meets a black guy, they always, like, act like they're auditioning to become black. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a guy like me, but he meets a black guy, he's like, yo, salutation, salutation. <laughs> <laughs> Talk like that. Salutations. <laughs> It's just so weird that like you feel the need to change who you are, and it's like so obvious too. Like oh, I'm yeah. Canyon National Park, you're you're gonna expect me to talk like how I talk. <laughs> I'm gonna expect me to, yo man. So I was chilling the other like. <laughs> sometimes there's sometimes I uh I there's not many black people in West Virginia, and the very few that are in my hometown, I was I was friends with, and sometimes like I I've slipped up and like. I'll, I'll talk about something else instead of saying like their friend, I'll be like, and your homie did this. And I'll be like, wait, it's just, that's just Kyle. Like, yeah, you're and Kyle did this, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
it's just like always better to to present yourself as who you are than yeah. to like and because because people can feel it you know like like it's that's always like the the one thing is a lot of it does stem from just like not understanding but like you know when you go in a black room there's a lot of comics that like grew up wealthy and they, they didn't know black people growing up yeah but so like when you go into that room you think oh i have to change myself whereas really black people are the same as anyone they just want you to be who you are yeah and then and i think i think oh. doesn't mean you're well it just means like don't change up your one thing out. in particular and here is my i think i have a good judge of character uh at least my therapist thinks so the thing about <laughs> going into black rooms they want something that's real you know what i mean so, so if you yeah. go and, if you, and, and obviously I've only been in New York a couple times, but say you go to a gentrified area in Brooklyn, that's, that area is like fake. So you can be fake. You go to, you go to a black room, <laughs> you have to be real. Dude, that's, that's like the best way to describe it. That's the, and that's what, yeah. And they, I think it's because black people have a lot of practice in the United States of like sussing out. You yeah, because if you're black, well, they've been you lied always... to. They've been lied to yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah. You have to be on guard. You have to like be a a good judge of like authentic character. And it's also really obvious yeah. when people aren't doing that. Yeah. So like, there's. <laughs> it's a good point because I've seen people in alt rooms in New York, like you know, like well, I don't need to name a place. Just like in alt rooms in right. New York, that like they're not being like honest they're like being like i'm gonna do an impression of the wind you know and like that's one kind of comedy it's definitely not going to work in a black room but it is one kind of comedy yeah and comedy comes in bad, yeah there it's got to be a little more real like yeah, you're saying exactly and uh you know that's great you know if you juggle and you get on a unicycle you can do that you know um don't get mad at me if i don't like it you yeah. know that's that's really all i have to say about that <laughs> Um, but I, I became a fan of yours in 2019 after I saw your Philly's funniest set. I don't know how I saw it. I think I maybe saw it on your Instagram. Um, and, uh, you said like it only had a couple hundred views. I was one of those views. I was probably multiple views because it absolutely killed me. And, uh, if you want to talk about the whole Philly's funniest process, you, you can, or if you just want to talk about, uh, some of the jokes that stuck out in particular, that's fine with me. Okay. So here, here's the story of Philly's funniest. It's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's a local competition in Philly. This is for the viewer. I know you know, but yeah. it's a speaking of which, helium helium comedy club saw Steve Byrne there. It was great. Oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I mean that's great clubs in the in the nation. It's yeah. literally one of the, in the nation. And I entered. I was in. So I never really did comedy in Philly. I I was started in Santa Barbara. Did it for uh, the summer after freshman year of college in New York. I was like sleeping on a friend's floor, went back to Santa Barbara, decided I needed to transfer. So I transferred to NYU, um, which by the way, that NYU is the shittiest place imaginable. <laughs> but I, I transferred to NYU, don't go to, I transferred to NYU and then just to do comedy. And so mm -hmm. I was doing school while doing comedy every day. And I would like go down to Philly and do some mics, but I wasn't really part of the Philly scene. I'm from Philly, wasn't really part of the scene. So fast forward to 2019, that's, I've been in, uh, New York for two and a half years and my brother's like you know you can get a tape if you do uh, Philly's Funniest and I was like yeah I just need a five minute tape so I entered paid the fee I, I still lived technically permanent address at my mom's so I entered my mom's address in Philly um, paid the fee 
got into the first round just to get a tape. I just wanted a five-minute tape. Happened to advance to the second round. I uh, got another tape. Advanced to the third round. Got another tape. And at this point, I'm like, internally, I'm like, I really don't want to win because I'm not, I don't do comedy in Philly. Right. So at that point, I probably should have just told the manager of Helium, just like, hey, thanks for the first three rounds, but I don't, I want to take myself out of contention. But I entered the third, the last round, and I happened to be fourth, which is easily, easily the best spot on that lineup. Yeah. They're kind of tight beginning they're not warmed up yet so I had easily the best spot and I decided to even do like a couple jokes that I didn't think would do that well because I was like I really just don't want to win I, I wanted to be be in the final and get a good tape and not win and then those <laughs> happened to do well it was two three jokes I'd never told before I told that night yeah. I was like I will just won't do well and I lose I happened to win and um <laughs> and I got a great tape out of it and I don't know. It, it, it kind of, in retrospect, I'm like, I shouldn't have entered because, or just done the first round and bowed out because I got a tape. Then I would get a tape and then like, it wouldn't be a weird resentment from Philly people. That's totally warranted, by the way, of like, you entered a competition when you weren't a Philly comedian. Right. You know? Right. The, uh, it's so funny that you're like, well, you know, I'm, I kind of want to throw this competition. I'll just use new, new material. And it like worked, I presume. I mean, you won the contest. Well, that's what, in retrospect, I shouldn't have done is because, like, if a new joke works, it works better than old stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, in my experience, like, the first time a joke hits, it hits hardest. And then you try and recreate that moment when you do it again. So that was kind of where I went wrong, which is, like, I did new stuff that was, like, I thought might might be good. And then it all did work. So yeah. it kind of, yeah, I kind of shot myself in the foot. I should have just done jokes I knew bombed like jokes that I'd done before that bombed to make sure. Right. Right. Um, again, you tell these jokes and now we're getting to the part that we've been teasing for, for half the episode. <laughs> like 40, 40 minutes. I don't know how long we've been recording actually. Like we had, okay. So here's the deal. We tried to record on Zencaster for like 15 minutes and it's not working. And now we're recording on zoom. Audio quality probably isn't going to be as good. And uh, by the way, you guys can't tell, but Jamie's actually laughing at what I'm saying. I know it sounds quiet, but he's actually laughing at what I say. Okay, I'm, I'm a funny guy. And uh, <laughs> so he tells these jokes that are almost like sticker shock stuff. So there's a joke that date rape. There's a joke about uh, internment camps or something like that. You have the German Jewish joke. That's good. And then you have the... Um, uh, the other room, the other one that I like about the black therapist and stuff like that. So how do you craft those jokes? Like, how do you see a topic that you're like, Ooh, that'll get somebody, but then you twist it in a way to make people forget all about the, uh, I don't know, the sticker shock. Yeah, exactly. It, that, that's like the, I think it's a product of like the rooms I did to build those jokes. Cause the room I'm doing in New York, I didn't get a lot of like sets. Like I was doing, it was all mine's. So what, I, what you have to do at mics to make people pay attention is because comedians are like sick people. Right. <laughs> that like you have to start with something that's like unpleasant to get them to pay attention. And then you can just do a joke. Mm -hmm. But like I, always, I, I learned and like that's kind of how I function comedically now, which is I learn you start at like what's the most shocking thing to say at the beginning to get everyone to pay attention and I learned this at Mike's and then you can kind of do the joke, but I always try and start mm. in a, that will have people be like, huh, you know, yeah. cause then at a mic, that's the only way they'll even listen. Yeah. You're <laughs> forcing the audience. 
Exactly. Yes, exactly. And then I can do the, the bit I want to do. But I like starting in a place that makes people uncomfortable. And I think it's a product of the fact that that only is the only thing that worked in the rooms I was doing. Wow. And comics were, uh, were very, uh, yeah, somewhat bitter people. So like laughs are currency. And obviously, a lot of people don't want to give them up, man. Dude, yeah. I mean, that's why mics are, mics are tough. Because people, mics are tough. unless they know like, oh, this is someone I should laugh at. You know, like say someone with a TV credit comes into mics, like, you know, people do that all the time in New York. But like someone who's on Fallon will come in and you can tell like people kind of turn it on when their set comes up. Uh, like you're like, good as you gave it, but you're trying to like, you know. Is that some, is that, okay, so you're saying that the audience is being fake when somebody with a credit walks in. Um, is, is that just because like, oh, this guy laughed at my stuff. I want to be friends with that guy and get him on. Is that what it is? It, yeah, I don't even know what it is. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's partly that, but I think mostly it's just like, they don't want the person with the credit to look out in the audience and see them just uh, like- Stonewalling them. Yes, exactly. Because that, that, that person on stage might, I think the thought process is just like kind of dislike, just like kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the mic scene, obviously it's tough. New York's a mecca of comedy. What are you seeing in- New York comedy right now, what do you, what do you forecast the future of New York comedy to be? Say someone like me who uh, is trying desperately to get a job and move up there, three roommates, live in Astoria, and then have a ball. What do, you, what, do you, what do you see? First of all, that's the best plan. I mean, that's, that's the, really the only plan, I think, if you want to like truly make it. So that's great. I do think that the scene right now it's in a weird state. Like in during the pandemic, uh, I'd say before this April, mm-hmm. like it was a specific scene. It was basically just outdoor or rooftop shows, mm-hmm. like parks on someone's roof outside on a sidewalk. Like literally, so there's <laughs> I did a mic in Times Square recently. Like just like literally anywhere outside that's safe, COVID wise. Yeah. yeah, that's where performing. And now starting in april the clubs came back indoors yeah at 33 percent capacity so it's like a weird interim phase where you still have the outdoor stuff and i don't think that's gonna go away anytime soon but then indoor stuff's coming back so like it's no nowhere near the volume it was pre-covid it's probably like one-fifth of that volume Mm -hmm. but like kind of you can see the wheels turning you can see like the 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 engine starting again yeah and I think by like July, it'll just be fully the same as yeah. before. And the good thing is I think some people quit permanently. And uh, first of all, it's a good thing anytime a comic quits. But, but <laughs> I would quit if I could make myself do it. But it's like there's going to be this, the same, if not more spots in July as pre-COVID. And there's way less comedians. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean there. I got my COVID vaccine the other day and I felt like garbage. I felt sick. I knew I had to get ready for this interview. And I'm like, what if I just stopped? You know, what if I just did that? And then I was like, can't do that. All right. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so I'm hopefully I get up there soon and get to those uh, spots. And, you know, I've luckily enough, I've, I've made some good connections, some good friends with all you guys, apparently your entire friendship group. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, get up there and do the dang thing. I want to go back to uh, the social media stuff, okay? So why don't you think you post more on TikTok or stuff like that? Like maybe you just 
stare into the camera and and say a joke i know that's a popular thing that people can do or or maybe if you have some other material and stuff like that are you planning to do that or what no i don't like social media i think social media is a cancer to our culture mm -hmm. and i'm on it because i'm a comedian right um but i i'm not going to use it more than i feel like i have to like i'm never going to force myself to use it like my my manager's like dude post you got you got to post on social media right you got to do it. that's the only way to like get it and i'm like no i'm just just no i'm not no. going to do that i think it's uh i think it's bad in every way i do think though it's good for um uh, what i think it's good for personally for me is like when i have a clip posted on tiktok because that's how it gets views right like it would use if I didn't have social media, if I just like say posted it on like my website or something. So right. I think it's good to like, push my content out there, but to use it like actively to try and gain a following to me is like, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I feel like it's not the right use of my time, mm -hmm. but that's also not to say no one should do it. It just really, it's distasteful to me. And if you, yeah. if people like, yeah, like I have friends who are big on social media and like big on TikTok and like, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't, but yeah. it's not good. It's so funny that, you know, you've had, you have a few tapes and you, you make clips of it. You put it on TikTok and I randomly saw you on my timeline, like the for you page, not even like, I hadn't even followed you yet. You showed up on my timeline. I was like, heck yes. Jamie Wolf's on here. Like follow all this stuff. And then you posted oh, yeah. consistently for like two months and you blew up you have x amount of followers and now you're gone yeah exactly <laughs> no i think a lot of people like um just approach it differently than me like because mm -hmm. i think well some people i know would be like really excited about that but i was like i knew it wouldn't change anything and it didn't it didn't change literally. <laughs> and it's so funny because someone posted this is actually what i found so funny me and my friend joke about this all the time. Someone posted, someone commented on one of my clips. They said, dude, you're like living my dream. And, uh, and I thought it was so funny because at the time, they, like, they don't understand that I'm just like some guy. Like I'm not even a professional. I'm doing pretty well in comedy, but that's, <laughs> I'm not making money. Right. Like, dude, you're living my dream as I myself had no home. Like I didn't have a home to live. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, okay. Like they're, they were like, he's like, you're living my dream. I'm like, come live it, please. For me. <laughs> You're homeless and jobless. Yeah. What a dream. Yeah. What a dream. Dude. That's crazy. I, um, I had a couple of clips go viral on there. I had one get over a million views, a couple of 500,000, this and that and stuff like that. And, uh, for me, what my, like, what kind of turned me off to it was one, it's obviously it's not real. Um, two, the amount of, I guess it gets entitlement that 15, 16 year old kids have is unbelievable. These kids can't even drive and they're like trying to decide my fate on the internet. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, dude. It, what, what was the, what's a, what's an example of one of the comments? Oh, just like, like my mom should have aborted me this and that, like, just people see my jokes and they're just like, all oh, this bothers me. And it's like, dude, look how many likes it has. Like, obviously it's not a bad joke. Like people like it. Like there was one time I told a joke about Gen Z girls. Cause you and I were technically in Gen Z. You know what I mean? 
and like looking back on it's a stupid joke but like i said like gen z girls our age not younger our age uh won't answer a phone call from a number they don't recognize but will sell naked photos of themselves to strangers and i never said that that was bad or that they shouldn't <laughs> do that right but, right right but the 16 year old kids that were like act pro activist at 16 they you'd have thought i shot kennedy <laughs> dude it's so funny like it's so true they just uh and they all it, come it, it, go, go ahead well because don't really understand what comedy is a lot of the time and look i'm not one of those guys who's like why are you upset that i made a rape joke like right. i get it like i understand yeah. why but it's also like that kind of bit is hilarious to me because it's not like you're the one you're not saying it's bad you're just making an observation it's a comparison so if they're getting exactly if they're getting offended by it that's because like they have something they need to work through but you just saying that it's true like it's, yeah. it's not like making it that way it's like oh i got a call from bakersfield i'm not picking that up but let me like let me bend over in front of the camera but i'm not picking up this call from bakersfield like (laughs) you can do that you can do that i'm just saying it's ironic (laughs) yeah exactly right 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 right. god but then uh they all ganged up they thought like this would get me because i had comedian in my bio and it's very easy to put comedian in your bio it's very hard to actually do comedy um and I uh, had comedian in the bio, and then they kept saying, like, take that out, take that out, take that out. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, you can keep commenting that I'm not taking it out. Yeah, man. This is just, uh, I mean, stuff like that, too, is that that's when I, that's kind of when I like it. I love when people would shit on me yeah. because I, I just reckon I was found it funny that, like, they thought I would care. Yeah. Like, it's just funny to think that, like, they thought I would value the opinion of some random person I'd never met who yeah. upon one video that's not even a minute long would decide I should kill myself. I just think it's <laughs> that like they think I put any stake or value. Yeah. That. Dude, like, you I have can't... like an anime K-pop AV. Like I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> I, know. I know. You're not also, you're not even an adult. You don't even know how the world no. functions. No, bad. <laughs> like probably have never had a job no that's the thing dude you know what they're gonna they set in their uh uh suburban neighborhoods and they live in a mcmansion and that's all well and good and they get to be internet activists and that's great i'm happy you get to do that but you don't understand how the world works you know i'm fine with it it's also like people who like like i'm not like one of those people who's like cancel culture it's like ruining the world i just think like I don't care. I, I, it's fine. You you can get mad all you want, and I can tell jokes all I want, and that's right. kind of why, like, not to get like patriotic, but like that's why I love America. It's like that's that's the rules. Like you yeah. can you're free mad. You're free to try and get me fired if you want. Yeah. From my job if you get offended, but like I, I'm also free to say it. Yeah, and there's and, and there's and we could go into a whole thing about this, but you know, freedom of speech does not mean freedom of repercussions you know if you say things you you might get called on it and that's perfectly fine and uh tim dylan actually had a, a good point about this because he's all into that stuff he some some writer got fired recently for insensitive tweets yeah. um i don't remember her name but uh she got fired and tim i think summed it up best because she was going after people for insensitive tweets getting hired and then she yeah. ended up actually getting fired for the same thing and yeah. he said yeah. like like you know, if you say those things, that's fine. But whenever you sign up to work for the for corporate comedy, essentially, instead of doing it for yourself, 
you can't yep. get mad if this is like this, that's the game like it's the game god that's such a good point that's such a good point and also she her to her credit she didn't say she was again like she didn't say she was mad she was like for the record i'm still for consequence culture which is what she calls it wow but like hey that's fine like that's more power to you if you're gonna get fired and then still be for the thing that got you fired like great uh, you know what sounds like I, it sounds like she actually has principles i kind right? of respect the double down i i know i know as but much also, as i hate like the canceling gotta respect the double down you gotta respect the double down but also you're insane like yeah no it's like i respect that you bet but i personally think think that that is wild to be like I'm for something that actively made me lose my job. And right. I am still for, like, it just doesn't, that doesn't compute to me. I, I may never understand these, these people that are somehow verified and I'm, I have my ear to the ground in the comedy scene and I haven't heard of them. You know, I will never, I will never, you know, <laughs> I've never said it. But uh, um, one last thing I can talk about here, and I don't know how long we've been recording, but uh uh, what are your comedic inspirations? Like, yeah, I have top five. My top five, and these are my favorite because I think actually for me the best of all time is a different top five than my favorite of all time. But my favorite, number one, Maria Bamford. Number two, Richard Pryor. Number three, Louis C.K. Number four, um, Dave Chappelle. And then number five, Chris Rock. And then my sixth man is is uh, less famous than all of them but it would have to be Nate Bargatze. I love that you put Nate in there. And I could talk about, I, I, I would love to talk about Nate uh, after I tell you my top five. Uh, so my top five is uh, obviously Chappelle and uh, Seinfeld because I work mostly clean. And then right. here's a name right. because he technically was a comedian during his time, maybe not set up punchline, but the entertainment stylings of Dean Martin. Dean Martin, wow. Love Dean Martin. Wow. That's like 50s, 60s comedy, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of a, a couple other people because four and five are always like changing for me. One day I like this. Obviously, I like Burr. Everybody likes Burr. So we'll throw him in there. Um, and then I'll go through phases with like a fifth person. Like I'll watch a couple of this guy and be like, oh, I'm really into this guy or that guy. Um, I'm trying to think. Let's go Maniscalco at five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sebastian, dude. Let's go Minnescalco at five. But I love Nate. Um, the thing about Nate, uh, and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about, the New York mics, how you have to have this sticker shock opening. Yeah. Nate does the opposite of that. Bad. And it works. Yeah. It's very confusing to me because he, he has this joke. I think it's in Tennessee Kid, uh, the special. And he's like, milk with ice in it. And he's like, nobody orders milk with ice in it. And he's like, he goes to Starbucks and he's like, uh, I don't want cream. Just do it for me. If it's wrong, I won't even get mad about it. I'll just dump it out and go to a different Starbucks. Like, he's just so casual. And I don't, it, I love that it works. Well, I, so I, you know, I, I think anyone who's like going to try and, trying to be like really good at comedy is, um, is like kind of a comedy nerd. So I emailed him and like a bunch of other comedians when I was wow. just in 2017 this is so and, uh, okay i did the same thing we'll get to that in a minute oh my god oh incredible. yeah yeah exactly yeah see there's these common threads like yeah if you really into it like there's it's just interesting like i i was like i need to get their thoughts yes. because i need 
how they did it. So I talked to, or not talked to, but I emailed Nate and he wrote back like a really long email. A lot of people didn't write back. Some wrote like short, like, like, like two sentence emails. Keep like, getting up. Know. That's it. And he, yeah, yeah. Keep getting up. That's it. And he, uh, Nate was like, gave really good advice. And one of the things he said was, um, get, you have to go to shows as quickly as you can because mics, you get, you get trapped like in mics. He was like, as soon as you can start hanging at shows, start trying to get on shows because that's where you make good jokes look really, really good. Like that's where you actually learn how to do it. Wow. And that's always stuck with me because, and then the other piece of advice that stuck with me that he said was, uh, he practices his comedy by weaving it into conversations. And you can tell, like you can tell that Mark Norman does not do that. Yeah. Because if you were to do that, you'd be like, are you, are you doing a bit right now, Mark? Yeah, yeah. But, but with Nate, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like with Nate, you can really tell, because like, it's so smooth, it's so yeah. conversational. Not trying to grab your attention, he's just talking, and it's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was in college, and uh, I was probably like eight months into my comedy journey. I started when I was 20 years old because I heard Seinfeld started when he was 21. And I was like, oh, I have to start before Seinfeld. I have to, you know, it's imperative. (laughs) Um, And messaged a a ton of comics on uh, Twitter and stuff like that. Like none of them got back to me. And I would lie and say it was for a school project as a entry. The only guy who got back to me, I had one guy get back to me, Jared Freed. Jared Freed got back to me. And uh, we talked on the phone for like an hour. And oh, wow. so I still have it recorded. I don't think he knows I recorded it, but I definitely <laughs> recorded it. And uh, I haven't listened to it in years, but like there's some stuff he, he told me in that that I still hang on to. Like, yeah. remember how I was telling you pre-show about how I want everybody to eat? I don't worry about outside success. He said like, he said, that's head trash. And that term head trash, I'd never forget that term. And uh, head what does that what does that mean head trash he's just like those outside thoughts it's like oh so and so is getting booked on here and i'm not it got passed at the cellar i didn't and he's like yeah. it just it's just not your time if it'll happen eventually if it's supposed to happen it's head trash don't don't worry about what everybody else is getting you know focus wow. on yourself yeah exactly and also but my my philosophy is almost like do do focus on what other people are getting in terms of like be positive about it yeah because Every time my friend, like, do you know, okay, you should have him on. Jason Choi, great comedian. Great, great, great comedian. All right, that Very. He just started getting, like, paid regular spots at New York Comedy Club. I hope I'm not, like, blowing up his spot. But (laughs) I started getting, like, paid regular spots there. And, um, like, when he said that, it wasn't, like, discouraging to me. I was, like, holy, holy shit. Like, my friend who, like, whose comedy I think is good, like, I believe. It's starting to get paid spots, so like it could happen for me too, because I believe this. I obviously believe like my comedy is good. Like, yeah. why else would I do? But like, it's just so cool that it's so encouraging to see your friends get things because it doesn't diminish you. It, it, it honestly, in a way, it builds you up and yeah. it makes makes it seem more possible or well, more. Look, t- look at the. Obviously, they've had some downfalls with off the field decisions but look at what the la comedy scene did there for a few years off the field decisions <laughs> yeah. off the field issues you know uh <laughs> the, those, 
locker room stuff. It was locker room stuff, but those players only meetings did not stay in the clubhouse. They did not stay in the clubhouse. Um, but those LA guys, and now they all have like the biggest podcasts around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I like yeah. where your head's at, Jamie. I like where your head's at. Would you? Are your listeners super into? comedy advice or is it just they're interested in comedians they're just interested in comedians it's, it's niche stuff um and uh well they just like they just like whenever i get on here and uh, have a good time with my fellow uh jokesters and stuff like that i don't know why you don't have a podcast man you're so easy to talk to on here so my, <laughs> thanks man um my uh i think my 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 piece of advice like my my closing statement would be if you're thinking about doing comedy don't do it <laughs> honestly don't, not bad advice i'll t i'll tell you why once we're done recording but that's always my advice is, is don't do it or if you're doing it quit that's i'll tell every 100 times out of 100 I'll, I'll say that jamie i think i think i think i know why you're saying this i think i know why you're saying this and yeah. i'm gonna guess it on the show and like i don't care what the listeners have to say i'm guessing it on the show yeah. Uh, if you're worried it's going to make you look bad, then that's fine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're saying these things because if somebody's not fully in and they need that push out, you just gave them that push out and they weren't yeah. really committed to it anyway. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I learned that from Seinfeld said this. He's like, that's my advice to any up and coming comic who asked me for advice because if they're the kind of person who could get dissuaded by me telling them to quit, they're never going to make it anyway. So I'm saving them pain. And I think that's, Right. Like if you're not, if you're going to quit, cause like, I'm like saying you should quit, like you, you should quit. And that's the best advice. It's good if you're, advice. Yeah, it, it really is. It's going to save you so much pain. Like if you're a comic, it's one of the hardest things to do outside of, you know, anything that's actually hard, but like, <laughs> like it's so difficult on a day to day basis that you shouldn't do it unless you really have to, like, unless you have to. Yeah, unless you're you know, married, got a couple kids on the way. Oh, I got to quit comedy because I got to go get a job in the marketing department at like Lowe's or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Which Lowe's, if you need somebody, I need a job bad. I, I could write great copy for Lowe's. I'm just putting that out. Does anyone from Lowe's listen? I used to work at a Lowe's, if that helps. Perfect. So someone from Lowe's probably listens. Yeah. I know you, I, I would be great at writing copy. I have experience doing um, viral well, I video. I had a copywriter interview recently. Okay, uh, I, I, I know we keep going on and on, but I have to say this. This mid-level media agency said, hey, I applied for a different gig with them. And they said, hey, uh, we're actually not hiring for that, but we think you'd be uh -oh. perfect for this copywriter okay. gig. And so I applied and did like my first little interview thing with them. And then they go, hey, we're actually not going to take you. Why would you tell me I was perfect fit for the position and then don't even let me like talk? It was only like a written interview. <laughs> Dude. I have a, such a similar story to that. That is such a bad feeling. And I know the exact feeling. You're just like, why would you do that? Because I worked at my day job after I graduated college was I worked in the corporate office of, for Uber, nice. but I wasn't a full-time employee. It was like a contracted thing. Right. Because that's exactly they, what this was. This was going to be a contract. To, to not give you benefits now, they'll just put you on a contract so they don't have to pay for your health insurance. It's exactly. really scary like predatory, but basically they did that for putting me on a contract. And then this woman was like, you know, people have been saying good things about your work. Like I am interested in having you. Um, so let's do a pre-interview. She was 
was like a full-time employee. They were interested in moving me to a full-time position. Right. So I, I did this pre-interview with her. It went great. At the end of the pre-interview, she was like, please apply to the position. Like, you're a great fit. I get along with you. Please apply. I'm not, a, this isn't an exaggeration. I applied like right after the interview, probably an hour after. Three hours later, I was rejected. <laughs> I'm like, why did you, why did you ask me to apply? It was, it's like literally if someone was like, here, do you want a cake? And then just like smushed it in your <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's where the cake goes, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> what hurts the most for me is that this mid-level media agency, uh, they may have employed my ex-girlfriend, um, and I know she had zero media experience, and I've built a media brand, and I grew up without internet, and if you don't think that's a weird, interesting thing, then you can piss off. And uh, so I built this media brand. She had zero media experience, and she gets a job with them. I wanted a remote position, so I wouldn't be in the office with her. If you're listening to us, I wouldn't be around you. And uh, they didn't give me the gig. And it was like, it, what made me more mad is like, I know the type of, pe- type of people you hire, like, and you're not going to give me a shot. Makes no sense. Doesn't make any sense sometimes, dude. It's, it really doesn't. And also that's, because that you, you know what's annoying is that happens in every industry and it happens in comedy. Like people will get jobs and I'm like, you suck at comedy. Why did you get that <laughs> And it's so much worse for comedy because I'm like, this is the one industry I'm like, okay, I know they're bad. Like I know yeah. for a f- bad and I, I didn't get, and it's just, it can be very discouraging Yeah. if you're not like, if you're not, and Jason Choi always says this, but like, if you're not focused only on the work, like on like just doing good comedy or like doing a good podcast, then you're going to get screwed in the long term because you're just going to you're just going to realize like, Oh, it's kind of random. There's no way to like make it, make it. There's no like, like getting better doesn't even really affect it. So as long, if you're just focusing on like, let's make let's have the best conversation we can have on this podcast or like, let me like write the best bit I can write right now. Like always trying to get better. Right. Trying to improve. Like if you're not focused on that, you get lost very quickly because the industry is pretty random and it doesn't make sense. It's kind of arbitrary. So yeah. like, as long as you focus on the work, that's it that's really the only thing you can control yeah and that that's how i find, find happiness is like if i have a new bit that's working doesn't matter what else is going on i'm happy yeah and and people like to get upset especially in the comedy industry so they see like a, a social media influencer um is doing a show at a comedy club say like a guy yeah. like um like casey frey did a comedy show and i'm sure his stand-up is great because he's known for dancing i'm sure his stand-up is fantastic okay and uh-huh. and the people like that, you know, social media influencer type people and uh, com- comics get upset about that. And I understand they're like infringing on their turf. But here's the thing about the industry. They don't necessarily care if you're good. Can you sell out a room? Yes. Then yes. I mean, that's what I like you are not. I mean, you clearly know, but like a lot of comics have to remember, like it's just a business at the yeah. end of the day. You can't sell tickets. You could be the best comedian in the world. It doesn't matter. They, they need to make money. Now, those, those people who can't sell tickets, is that where people get the term comics, comics? I wonder. I, I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about? Like the people that are like in the underground rooms and they're, you know, just balls to the wall comedy. To me, I think comics, comic would mean, just to me personally, the way I interpret it is like, Bill Burr was a comics comic when he, before he put out Let It Go, which was like his first big one, or, or was his first big one the one before that in Philly? Whatever. He had like two albums slash specials that he put out that were yeah. like big. 
Um, and before that, he was really only known in comedy. He was still moving tickets, but like he was, it was only other comedians. And I think the, the term for me comes from a comics comic is someone who like, even if they're moving tickets, they should be more famous. Yeah. Like even if Bill Burr was selling out in every comedy club he went to, I still would have thought of him as a comics comic at that point because he was good enough, I thought, like back then to sell out theaters. So like I think a comic is like anyone who should be bigger. Like uh, I think Tim Dillon to me is a yeah, comics comic. Tim Dillon's he's a comics comic. Yeah. He's pretty but, like he's gotta be more famous. Like that guy is so smart and so funny. Yeah. He's just way bigger. And he's big. Yeah. You know? But I still think he's a comics comic. That's that's a that's a really good point. Um, would people was a telecomics comic? Would you consider a telecomics comic? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I watch uh, a lot of those old Atel, um Insomnia, Insomniac, I think, or whatever it's yes. called. He did an episode yes. in West Virginia, and it was it, true to character. It makes sense. Like it was, it was pretty good. But uh, those, I'm sure you watched this as a kid. And we just keep going and going and going. Again, I don't have a timer running. The thing about Zencaster is there's a timer. There's no timer here. I have no idea how long we've been going. But uh, the green room with Paul Provenza. Yes. Yes. That's that's real comedy nerd stuff. Dude, and yeah. The Atel Stanhope episode is is really good. Um, and then the here's the one episode that I really liked and what I want in my comedy career because I want to be respected by my my friends and my my you know, comedy compatriots, my mutuals. I want to be respected by them as a guy who's like, he works hard, does the right thing. The Bo Burnham, Ray Romano, um, yeah. Yeah. all those guys, Gary Shandling and stuff like that. Uh, so they're introducing everybody and Bo doesn't say anything the whole time because he's scared. These guys are comedy killers, these guys, yeah. you know, Mark Marin and, uh, then out of nowhere, like they say, well, Bo hasn't said much. What do you have to say, Bo? And he's like, well, I'm the youngest person here. And I have to say for all the young people, like, who are you guys? <laughs> and the room is in stitches. But the thing I picked up on, Gary yeah. Shandling looks at him. And for those listening, you won't get this. For those watching, you get this. Gary Shandling looks at him. He just goes. Yeah. I like see, that. Yes. Dude, yeah, yeah. I remember that next shot. It's so funny that you say that because it's like. He earned the respect of, of Shandling at that moment. Yes, that's that's all I want. That moment still, I got goosebumps. Just like he's yeah. a legend, comedy legend just looked at him. He's like, all right, you got it, kid. You got yeah, it. you're in. You're in the club. That's, <laughs> that's it, bro. Like, I want to, like, sit in the back rooms and, and jab back and forth. Like, that's what it's about for me. I love that stuff, man. Yeah, man. That was such a great show. I don't know. I get, They must have stopped it. But it's, it's kind of anything that's, like, about comedy is, like, I love it so much. <laughs> but it bombs because like nobody cares. It's an art form. Like nobody cares. I, I know, I know. I know like my mom like would be like, who gives a shit? Yeah. But I'm like, dude, it's so cool. He came up in the 80s in New York. That's when everyone came up. He knows everyone. But like yeah. let's talk about comedy. You know, it's weird though. My dad's kind of a fan of comedy. Like he showed me the green room when I was like 15. Yeah. And weird and then like the next year i got really into comedy and i watched all of it yeah i was this is it's like the dream you know they're just yeah. it's also so fun because like when you're riffing off stage and you're like kind of hitting hitting back and forth you're like man i wish someone could like kind of be here to laugh <laughs> exactly because <laughs> now because as as uh as Bergazzi says otherwise it's just like mean 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing about Nate, and this is what I aspire to be like similar to Nate, because I work mostly clean like he does. He was like respected by like, he wasn't known as a clean comic. He was known as a good comic who happened to be clean. And that's, that's what I want. And uh, uh, like he was boys with Giannis coming up and they lived together and, and he was friends with that crew and stuff like that. So it, it's cool to see, like, I just love the mutual respect. It's like two worthy adversaries. It's like when UFC fighters touch gloves before the fight, just to respect. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, man. I love that part of comedy. That's also the most, um, the most gratifying is like, I moved to New York in 2017 and I was like so bad at comedy, just like so horrifically bad for like two years and then people who don't see you for a while because I was just doing mics like they'll see me at a show say like late 2019 and they're like like oh shit like wow man like great set yeah and like it's I've respected the whole time that probably never even registered my name or my face right but they like I'm now on their radar and they they're like yeah you're good and they kind of talk they start talking to you like yeah, I'm working on this new bit. Like, uh, what do you think? Like, they, they almost start to see you as an equal, and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, like, it's yeah. such a cool that you're right. That's like one of the best things in comedy is someone you think's funny who thinks you're funny, and then you're just, then you're just friends, you know, that's just a friendship. Yeah. And, and like I said, like, I've been such a, a big fan of your stuff for a long time. And like, you know, you liked one of the jokes on Twitter, and like, when you laugh at stuff I say on here, it's like, it's such a good feeling. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, man. It's weird because, I mean, it makes sense if, like, I feel like most people would have this if, like, they met, like, Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> like, a like, oh, my God, if Justin, if Justin was like, oh, shit, really? Like, oh, damn, man. Well, what about <laughs> about you? Like, if, if someone, if Justin Bieber said that to most people, yeah. that's the feeling. I like, Sam Evans being like, what do you think of this bit? Mm-hmm. I, and, like, great great comedian he's a comic truly comics comic um in new york and but he's not like like most people wouldn't care yeah <laughs> he spoke to them you know just like they wouldn't care if i spoke to them. man yeah uh so jamie wolf is my justin bieber i think is what we're getting at i think that's what this whole thing was about uh i think i think we've been going on for an hour man but uh, again thank you so much for being on here man this this was a, a long time coming and i gotta be honest with you i've wanted to get you on the show for a while but i wanted to like i said like get my reps in and get practice in so when i brought you on i was able to, to play ball so thank you very much for for being on here man it's uh where do the people follow you at again at jamie wolf comedy on instagram twitter and tiktok and man hey by the way thank you so much for having me this was this was just super fun, man. Ton of Come fun, up man. to New York. Or move to New York. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Someone hired me as a, as a copywriter. All right. Hey, uh, thank you guys for, for checking out the show. Subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it so it can grow, all that stuff. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Franco'sWorld underscore. In the meantime, uh, keep taking care of yourselves and uh, see you when I see you. Have a good one.